Good morning, Chair City Church. I am on. So good to see all of you here this morning. When I was uh, looking at the sermon, the bumper video, as we call it, uh, it, it made me think back to a time, maybe about a year into when we had begun to church, we were in the cinema. I come out one time at a theater seven, which is where we used to meet. And I see my kids, they're kind of off over by the, um, by the video games there in the movie theater. Uh, three of them, and they're kind of clustered. Like, at that time, I'm thinking seven, so maybe they were like 10 and 12 or 11 and nine. And, and they're kind of giggling. And it's kind of like a mischievous giggle. You know, and I'm thinking, ah, I, I really think I need to get over there and just inquire as to what's going on here. So I walk over to them, I'm like, uh, so, so what's up? And they look at me and like, Jim Murphy just asked a lady if she's pregnant. I said, so why is that so funny? They're like, because she's not. <laughs> and, like, and then Justin's like, Dad, you should have seen his face. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so good when she said, I'm not. <laughs> All right, anyway, so we are kicking off a new series today. It's called, What Was I Thinking? We're looking into the characteristics of God, God's attributes in this series, either, either because perhaps we've kind of forgotten them, you know, uh, um, or maybe we were never introduced to them, right? Not aware of them. The important thing is that as we navigate life day to day, we come upon different circumstances, challenges, that we want to know God. Pause. We want to know God for who He truly is, not to know God from solely, basically, largely in part, just from our own personal experiences. I'm a personal guy, and I have met God and, and experienced God in some incredible ways, and I cherish those moments, and they certainly are part of the whole makeup of my faith. But primarily, fundamentally, foundationally, I want to know God for who He is. Yes, for who He says He is, His attributes, His, His characteristics, right? And so I want to, and then I can apply that, we can apply that to our lives and be greater prepared to navigate life and handle life day to day, right? So we're going we're gonna to jump into Second Chronicles chapters 14 and 16. We're doing this, we're going through this series about five weeks, we'll take it out to the end of September, because we, we want to find ourselves less often in that place where we look back and we say, what was I thinking? Wow, what, what was I thinking when I not just said that, did that, when I carried that action out, when I went that direction of my flight? What was I thinking, huh? And, 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 and really, often, when it came to my perspective of God and, and, and how I saw God, what was I thinking? We're hoping these truths about God are going to increase your perspective of Him and change the way you view God who God is, how you believe in God, the way you apply your faith in God in, in your life when you have this knowledge of Him. Now, so what happens is when our perspective of God, how we view God, how we believe in God is, is I don't know what's the word, is incomplete. How's that? It's incomplete. What happens is then we will just by default naturally turn to ourselves uh, the way we listen, the way we hear, the way we interpret, the, the way we begin to process, we're going to turn into ourselves, meaning to, to look to ourselves. And by doing that, inevitably, God will become less trustworthy, less reliable, huh? You know, God, in a sense, will become weaker 
and, and we will become stronger. Now, the truth is this, that God is never been more powerful. God is an all-powerful God. It's one of his characteristics. It's one of his attributes. He's a powerful God. And that God has never been more present than right now. And God has never been more loving right now. And God has never been more holy than right now. He's a powerful, loving, present, holy God. These are his characteristics. This is who he is. This is how we want to know him deeply. Now we're going to look into the Bible at a story, a story uh, in a person named Asa's life. Right? Uh, Asa was king of Judah, and we're doing this to increase our knowledge and our understanding of God's power. Um, now, Pastor Kevin Myers has this really good insight, uh, if, if you will, kind of a concept, and he says, one of the things we learned from Asa is this, I'm not helpless, yet I'm often powerlessness, yet I'm often powerless. <laughs> I screwed that up. I'm not, helpless, I'm not helpless, yet I'm often powerless. But, it, but it's God's, God is more powerful than I think, and he invites me to tap into his power. All right, so I want you to get this kind of concept. I'm going to keep hammering away at it. So maybe you're not helpless, but at the same time, you can be powerless. Second Chronicles chapter 14, verses 8 and 9 says, Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large shields and spears, and 280,000 men from the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin, right? Armed with small shields and bows. All these were brave fighting men. So Asa's got a ton of resources. Clearly he's not helpless, but maybe he's powerless. And that's because we read in verse 9, it says, Zezra the Cushite marched out against him with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots and came as far as Marasha. So what we know is that the army of Asa's enemy was double his army, twice his might. And so here, Asa might seem helpless. Hel- helpless means you're unable to defend what helpless means is this. You're, you're unable to defend yourself. You're unable to act. So really often you might not be helpless. You can defend yourself. You can act. You can take action. You can do something. You're not helpless. But you're powerless because whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever's coming against you, is beyond your capacity. It's bigger than you. It's, you can't deal with it. Not on your own. With all that you have, you're powerless to overcome that, whatever that is. We were on vacation uh, for two weeks. Uh, It was just a great time. That's one of the beaches that we were hanging out at. And that was like, that was every day. That was every day that we were down there. That's, I think Diane had just tried to drown Lloyd and they're now made peace and they're coming back out. it was a wonderful time. Me and Lloyd were driving uh, on one of the roads there. Not a lot of traffic. It's quiet. And, and I'm driving. I look out and I see it. This is somebody's front yard. And this set the south, man. And, and you, you see in the window the little aliens? This guy builds a spaceship in his front yard. And I saw it and I pulled over. I said, Lloyd, just, just go. They've come back for you, man. Just, just go home. 
Lloyd's my father-in-law, by the way, for our guests. And uh, so, you know, and now, as you know, I'm not big on the, the beach and the water, but this is a husband-wife thing, and, and I love to see my family enjoy themselves. And, and I do have my moments uh, where I can kind of, I do I do actually think well when I'm staring out at the ocean. So it, it kind of is good in that way. But I'm not big on the sun and the, and the ocean. I don't swim. I can't swim. And so uh, the way it would work is, uh, you know, I would kind of hang out, you know, a lot under the umbrella, kind of solo by myself. I'd often nap, come back out, you know, hang out at the end of the day when it's not that hot, I'd be there by myself. And then I'd catch moments with my kids and I would go in the water. I don't go in the water up here, but the water was so awesome there that even I would go in there for a bit of time. Now, one day I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out there at the end of the day and uh, I see a, an, an older man, he has his grandchildren, he casts out, he gets a, a fishing pole and he casts it out right off the sand, the beach, into the ocean. I don't know if it could have gone as far as maybe halfway through the seats. And he's pulling it in and he pulls in a fish, you know, and it comes out. I say it's about, yeah, it's probably about like maybe, you know, that, that long, maybe a little longer. And I'm looking, I'm like, you know, that looks like a little shark. <laughs> And so I walk over there, ask him, I'm like, uh, what kind of fish is that? He said, it's a shark. I said, yeah, he said, it's a sand shark. And his, and his little grandkids are like, Daddy, or, you know, Grandpa, whatever they called him, did it bite? It has teeth. He's like, yeah, of course it bites. He goes, come on, maybe we'll go out there and we'll get, we'll get the daddy or the mommy, you know? So I'm thinking, wow, man. So you know, what, what do I do here? Uh, do I turn around and, and do I tow my, my kids and my wife? Because if I do so, I'll lose my serenity. I'll lose my, because they're in the water all day long. Now they'll all hang out. They won't go in the water, right? They'll, they'll hang out there. But all this, the, the shark, the, you know, the, the, I can't swim, the water. It, it, you see, the thing is this. I, I just, it's not that I'm helpless. So I, I didn't go in the water much more. I was going in the water more, and I would go farther out. Now I was going in less, and I was going like maybe 20, 30 feet in, you know? <laughs> really careful. Huh? And, and it's not that I was helpless against a shark or, you know, against waves. I, I could try and defend myself. I could try and, you know, swim. I could try and run. But in reality, man, this is like, it, it just, I, I was powerless. If this shark wanted me, he had me, right? I could, I, there's no way I, I could beat him. If a, if a huge wave came and, and, and the riptide comes, I, I, can't, I'm not a, I can't swim, you know? I would be overwhelmed, huh? So maybe you're helpless, but at the same time, I'm sorry, maybe you're not helpless, but at the same time, you are powerless, right? And by the way, I actually never did, well, I did, I did tell them about the shark. They, they came out from their time in the house of eating and snacking. They came over to the umbrella where I was, and uh, they said, how are you doing? I said, good. I said, I just watched this guy. He's caught three fish. I said, and the first one was a shark. And they laughed. I laughed, and they went back into the water. And that was it. <laughs> it's the truth. And uh, God have mercy, but it is what it is. All right? So listen. Look. The truth is there's going to be so much that's going to be going on in our lives that are just beyond our resources. They're beyond our control. They're beyond our, our capacity, if you will. And, and in so many areas... Critical areas of your life. Critical areas of your life. You, you might not be helpless, but you're going to be powerless. And it's important to pause here, right? Because, you know, what happens is when you're moving along and trying to advance a, a situation or navigate something in your life, um, 
and, and you're implementing perhaps some of your faith, some of you and a mixture, maybe just all faith, whatever it is, you're, you're doing what you can, and, and, and you're not helpless. Because obviously you, you're, 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 you're making decisions, you're moving this forward, you're dealing with things, you're not helpless, and you sense you're not helpless. But then things really are not going well. If anything, maybe they're worsening. And then now what happens is you begin to really sense, feel, I'm powerless. You might not realize this, but th this is what's transpiring. And when you're going through this transition from not being helpless to feeling powerless, that's one we, that's when our emotions, that's when we could be very anxious, angry, depressed. That's when we will perhaps kick into now, okay, I've got to take a hold of this. I've got to take control. I've got to move this along. And in doing so, perhaps we're not pausing and glancing into, hey, I've got this powerful God out there, huh? So, but, so what do you do? What do you do when you have this sense that you're powerless? Let's look at verse 11 to see what Asa did. It says in Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11, Then Asa called to the Lord his God. He called out to God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against, this, against the mighty. Help us, Lord, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are a God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Lord, there is no one like you. Lord, you can help the powerless, O oh God. He's crying out to him. Asa realizes his circumstances are beyond his abilities. It's out of his control. Asa was faced with the realization that I'm powerless, meaning I'm powerless, meaning I'm lacking authority here. I'm powerless. I'm lacking strength. I'm powerless. I'm lacking, you know, capacity. I, I cannot overcome this. I don't see that happening. I'm powerless. So what does he do? He calls out to God for who God is. You help the powerless in your name. And what he's doing here is he's praying. What caused him to pray when he felt overwhelmed? When he came to this dead end, this place of realizing I'm powerless, it's because he knew I'm not helpless, yet I'm often powerless. But God is more powerful than I think. God is more powerful than you think. I promise you that. God is more powerful than you think. It's who he is. Asa, his great-great-grandfather was King David, right? And he knew of all the stories. Undoubtedly, he had been told and knew of all the stories of his great-great-grandfather, what God did in David's life. And he had heard Psalm 20, verse 7, where David wrote, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, it was one thing when Asa read that and heard that like you just did and was like all over it, man. I got it. It's uplifting. And it's, it's one thing when he was hearing it and knowing of it in the context of stories relating to his great-great-grandfather being outnumbered, overmatched, overwhelmed, facing death. But now it's Asa who's outmatched, outnumbered, in looking at losing everything, in, 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 including his life. When challenges come into your life, and they will, and they are. Hmm? 
and you're not helpless, which means you're not going to necessarily give up. You're going to give it, you're going to give it a go. You're going to take your best shot, right? And eventually there's going to come a point, perhaps not in all circumstances, but often the most challenging when you're realizing, you know what? It's not making it happen. My best isn't good enough. And then you're going to start to sense I'm powerless, right? And then those emotions that are given to us by God to draw us closer to him could begin to work against us as we turn in. I want to ask you a question here. As I described Asa and what was transpiring between him and his circumstances of God, right? He's going to lose everything, perhaps his life. And then he decides to respond by praying, by calling out to God. Do you take that seriously? Do you take it seriously? Can you picture you're in a similar situation in your life? You're going to lose everything. Everything. Your family, your belongings, your home. You're going to lose everything. And possibly, likely, your life. Under the most horrific scenario, would you pause and call out to God in a way of realizing his power, meaning calling out to God in a way where you're going to now follow him, trust in you, turn to him, put your life into his hands. Not God, okay, I'm going to do this and just, well, before I do this, oh, by the way, if there's any way you can help me, I mean, God, I, I, I can't move, I can't breathe, I can't do it. What, what, here, I'm calling out in your name. I'm turning to you, oh God. Can you picture yourself doing that? See, it's important that you do right now to even picture yourself doing that. Even your greatest fear right now, the most difficult situation you're in, can you just picture yourself doing that like Asa did? Can you picture God hearing you? Can you picture that you're calling it out and you're crying out to an all-powerful God, right? And as you're doing that, you're becoming stable and more secure and strong versus being inconsistent and unstable. And as it says in James, being tossed to and fro because of the circumstances, because every day they change, and what looks good looks bad, and what is bad is... And instead, you're, you're solid, and you've cried out to the Lord. He's heard your cry. He's inclined to you. He's reached down into the pit. He's pulled you out of that place of despair, of confusion, of desperation, and he set your feet on a rock. He's gave you a firm place to stand. He's putting a new song in your heart, Yes? Can you picture that? Can you envision that? It's important that you do this so you can condition your mind that this exists, that it's real, that you're filled with hope rather than be leaning in your own way because you're going from I'm not helpless to powerlessness and from your powerless feelings, you're going to have other emotions and it's going to draw you to places of anxiety and despair, uh, insecurity. Condition your mind. When you do this, you're turning to God. We're all, we're all going to turn to something. You've got to know when challenges come and difficulty comes in marriages and relationships and life, you're going to turn to something. You're going to turn to someone. Right? Asa turned to God. And if he was here, he would tell us to do the same. And it's rare 
that when we look back in our life, after making decisions that are birthed from going to God and praying to him, it's rare that we sit back and say, after assessing now the results of that, we say, what was I thinking? I've never seen it happen. I've never seen somebody turn and cry out to God from a place of being powerless, from a time of coming to need themselves and crying out to God to just trust in him, to know that I'm calling out to a powerful God and to wait on him with every step and, and months and years later. So you know what? What was I thinking? That was the worst decision I've made. I, I, I've not known it. God is calling you to a greater way. Asa prayed because God is more powerful than you and I think. He truly is. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 12. It says, The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder, meaning they cashed in, right? Ace is a human being, and I'm, I'm going to take a liberty, and, and I think it's a reasonable one. So, so as all this is coming upon him, as he's anticipating this, fighting this army that's twice his size, stronger, as, as he's wondering what the consequences could be and the outcome, right? You're wondering, did he, is he thinking, can God bring me through this? Can God deliver me? can God work this out in a way that's going to be favorable to me, right? Meaning, should I trust in God? Is he the one I should turn to right now? Is he the one I should listen to right now? I've only got so much breath. I've only got so much resources. I've only got so much time. There's so much risk. Should I trust in him? Should I listen to him? I mean, listen to him, to God. Now, Asa Again, me kind of projecting what it could have looked like after he has this extraordinary victory and he thinks back and he recalls himself in those moments of doubt, that, those moments of wrestling back and forth, that moment of hesitating to trust God where perhaps he was discounting the power of God, right? And perhaps Asa says to himself, what was I thinking? What was I thinking when I discounted God's power? What was I thinking when I was hesitating to trust God? What was I doing? God, have mercy that I didn't turn around and take control, and I didn't, you know, impart and execute my plan and what I would have done. Thank you, Lord, for enabling me to trust in you and that I went your way. When I think of the other ways, what would have come of it? And by the way, anything would have been so much less than what you've given me. Thank you, oh God. Why did I doubt? Why did I question you? My great-great-grandfather David was right when he says others trust in horses and chariots, but we trust in the Lord our God, yes? For 35 years, Asa lived in peace and prosperity. It's cool. And then in Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1, it says this, In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Now, some of you might be used to hearing Israel as the good guy in the Bible, and and it was for a while, for three kings, Saul, David, Solomon, after Solomon, Rehoboam, his son, began to worship idols, depart from God's truth, and there was a split. Ten tribes went north, Israel. They would not worship God. The two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, went south, and they became what we know as Judah. They, for the most part, their kings would worship God. 
And so now their enemies and Israel is coming down again now and they're, and they're going to attack Asa and their army is stronger. Again, 10 tribes or two. They're, they're more fortified and they're stronger than Asa. And again, he's threatened by, a, by resources greater than his. And this time, Asa does not pray. Instead, he chooses to pay. Chronicles chapter 16, verse 2 says, Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasury of the Lord's temple. He's taken that which is of God, that which is meant to worship God, facilitate the worshiping of God. He's taking that out of the temple. And, and he also takes it out of his own palace. Now he takes it from his own money, and he sends it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who is ruling in Damascus. He says, let there be a treaty between me and you. And there were, as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Bashar, king of Israel. So I mean, not only if you're not in treaty with somebody in alliance, then they're your enemy. So, so get out of the treaty you have with them and then be prepared now to attack them with me and for me so that they will withdraw from me. He's got a plan. Tells the other king, right? Do this and I will give you silver and gold, a ton of it. And he does just that. And as a result, Asa would come under the rule of King who did not worship God. Asa wound up giving so much, and I want you to get this, he gave up so much what God had given him, all that God had provided, all the blessing, he wound up forfeiting and giving up because this was his plan. This, is what, this was his perspective. He, he was not helpless, but he was powerless. And from his place of feeling powerless, this is how he governed himself. And in doing so, he not only forfeited any hope of God delivering him and bringing something phenomenally supernatural into his life, but he literally was giving up the good that God had placed in his life that he probably had devalued, as we tend to do when we're feeling powerless looking at the future, we devalue the goodness of what we have presently. Instead of turning to God and trusting in God's power, he says, I'm going to turn to another source, another man, uh, uh, something that's powerful. So Asa doesn't pray, he pays. Come on. Asa now turns around and he goes to the natural, right? And the practical versus the spiritual and the supernatural. This is huge. You see, because when we do that, when we, especially as believers, what I've seen is that when we turn around and tap into the natural and the practical, you know, versus the spiritual and the supernatural, we, of course, it's our nature, we're going to do an assessment of how we think it's going to come out. We're going to do an assessment of what we think the result's going to be. And so when we pray, right, when we, choo when, we choose, uh, when, we, when we choose to turn around and pay rather than pray, or let me say it another way, when we don't pray as Asa did, when we don't engage God as an all-powerful God and believe that and think that and go that way, instead we wind up paying when we put in our plan. And you know what? Here, here's the problem. We always assess and calculate what we think we will pay. We always try and figure out, okay, this is the worst case. This is what we can pay. And what happens is this. We always pay more. We, the, the price is always worse than we thought. Is it not? We pay so much more than we ever thought we would, and we sit there and say, what was I thinking? Why did I think this would be the worst that could happen? Why did I think that the consequences would be this and not this, what I'm sitting in, what I'm wrestling through, what I'm struggling with? 
Me, a child of God. Me, who the Spirit of God lives in. Me, who has the capacity to hope and to love and to dream like no other being in the universe. How did I get here? What was I thinking? Why did I choose to pay versus to pray? Why didn't I turn to an all-powerful God? It's who he is. It's who he is. I know that. We see Asa over the years, the same person who experienced God's power, knew it personally, and he drifts from God. He, he changes. He shifts. Second Chronicles 16, verse 7 says, At the time Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God. That's what it comes down to. God have mercy, but at times I have relied on people, other things, and on my God. The army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Do you not recall what God has done and who he is? An all-powerful God? He's... He said, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Asa, you've done a foolish thing, and from now on, you will be at war. Asa, man, you didn't dwell on the thanksgiving of oh God. You didn't pray. Instead, you paid. And now the price, it's going to be bigger than you thought, Asa. You didn't just give up a chunk of money. Now you've given up more than you ever thought you could. And by the way, you're not going to have peace. You're going to have war for the rest of your reign. By the way, Asa, off this guy. He killed him. Because this guy brought truth to him. Because this guy awakened him to reality, he had him killed. And then he spent the rest of his time, really, in his reign, not much longer in misery. Hmm? Listen, did you hear verse 9? This is a cool thing. I want you to just get this because it, it's true, it's real, and it's for you. It says, the eyes of the Lord search throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Right now, God looks upon you. Right now, God is searching for the one whose heart is fully committed to him, not whose heart is kind of pieced out, you know, some to this, some to that, some to this one, some to me. But no, 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 no. That's a divided heart. The heart that is committed to him in his best at its know-how, I'm committing my heart to God. God says, I am searching and seeking for that heart to pour my strength into because I'm a powerful God and I've got to put this power somewhere. And I will only put it into my beings who I created, who I made. Now, which one of those beings is going to have their heart fully committed to me, meaning just ready to turn to me? Not that you're strong, you're weak, but he is strong. And you take that heart you have and the hope you have in God and the trust you have in God, and you turn it to him. If Asa was here today, I think he would kind of give the like shout out, Right? And he'd plead with you. He'd plead with you deeply. And he'd say, you got to get this. When I relied on God's power, I added blessing and I missed hardship. Yet when I relied on human power, I missed God's blessing and I added hardship. What was I thinking? Huh? Look, 
Asa would say, God is looking to strengthen those who trust him. He says that. I got that right and I missed it. Huh? And it was so much better to get it. God is powerful. We need the power of God in our life. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot control this. I want you, we cannot control it. We think we can. It's kind of like the illusion of control. You might call it a delusion, but let's just say it's, it's an illusion, the grand illusion that we can control our life. And we really do live it out this way. And I go to it often because I see, when I say it's, it causes so much pain, what I do is I see it circumvent God's will and really God's power in people's life. And, I, and I've seen this in my own life. And I'm really very much on guard with this personally, which is why I counsel so much. And, and I mean, in a, any situation, I'll have like three or four, five, six, seven, sometimes eight counsel, because I want to make sure I am not, beginning with Chrissy, I am not taking control here. I'm in too much pain. There's too much at stake. I don't trust myself right now to what's going on. I'm going to bring in other voices. I, I, want, I want to make sure that I am tuned into the power of God in my life, right? We cannot control things. See, what happens is you have these areas in our life. Let's just call out some critical ones. You know, uh, marriage, relationships, finances, health, uh, occupations, college, school. And we think we can control these things. And yet we cannot control them. We can influence them. And we do, and we will influence them. And we could have a, a, a strong influence, but we cannot control them. We, meaning, it's a fact, we cannot control them. What we can control is our attitude and our behavior. This you can control. And when you're in a place where, okay, I'm not helpless, and I'm giving it my best shot, and I'm plugging along, and I'm giving my best, and all of a sudden I'm realizing it's not working. And there's so much at risk, and how much longer, and what can I do? And then you start to feel powerless. And now when you go to powerless, and you're feeling a sense of despair, and you're feeling a sense of hopelessness, and you're being overwhelmed, right? At that point, you're going to move to now leave. You're going to try and take control of these areas, finance, marriage, this relationship, kids. You're going to start to move. And it's not going to go well. See, in actuality, in those moments, you want to go and say, okay, I can't control these things. I can influence them. But I'm going to go. I can control my attitude, and I can control my behavior. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to turn to God and his invitation to know his power. I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to trust in that. And when I do that, it's going to give me a better attitude. It's going to make me behave in a better way. And here's the crazy thing. You know what it is? Is that when we are in a greater attitude and that's a better behavior because we're tapping into the power of God, then we have a greater influence on all these other areas in our life. It's a consequence, a positive one. Yet when we are not there, when we are, we are, when we are realizing we're not helpless, we're powerless, and we begin to try and take control out of our own nature, meaning it's natural but not supernatural, now what happens is our attitude suffers, our behavior suffers, and now we now go and we will influence these areas, but not in a God way, not in a life-changing way, and sometimes in a detrimental way, meaning we might make things worse and find ourselves looking back saying, what was I thinking, huh? Listen, tomorrow, tomorrow, less than 24 hours, 
I will be married to my dear Christy for 24 years. It's our, it's our wedding anniversary, right? Mm. Mm. My, my, my beautiful, beautiful bride. It was, it, was an, it was an incredible day, as I've talked often about that, right? Uh, that's Diane and Christy. Next year, we'll do the whole thing, because it'll be 25 years. and make a big deal about it. But that, that's Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd, a handsome dude, right? Okay, he's okay. Lloyd paid $15,000 for that guy. That's what that day cost him. There he is right there. I, 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 I was a good-looking guy, wasn't I? I mean, come on, you know? I'm a handsome guy, right? Now, here, here's the thing. And, and, of course, Christy, she's looking at all these pictures. She, she's saying, what was I thinking, right? Right? <laughs> the truth is, as I've said in many times, that Christy and I were from two different worlds, right? But here's the thing, and this is true. This is true, so true. I was in one world. Christy was in another. I did not know God. She did it's kind of really peculiar thing. If you're new to context, she's in Bible college. I'm not, it, it's just really kind of, um, I don't know, uh, peculiar, crazy. Uh, and you know what? Christy didn't try and control me. She didn't try and control the situation, right? She, she wasn't trying to control matters relating to faith in me. She wasn't trying to move things around to see where I was. She didn't do anything like that. I think one time when we were driving that time, my uh, legend and... I had the sunroof up, and I had the ACD on, the AC, ACDC song on, and, and you were like, you know, do, do you have to listen to this? And, you know, you try to point it out some things, and I'm like, what well, doesn't bother me? It doesn't mean anything to me. You, oh, you tossed it, remember? You tossed it out the, the uh, sunroof. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, but fortunately, I was a very mature guy. I didn't say anything. But I waited till we got home, and I went in her room, and she had this whole big thing of Billy Joel and you too, and I took it, and I threw it in the garbage. <laughs> Remember the cassettes? I'm like, yeah, how do you like that, man? <laughs> but <laughs> I can still be somewhat infantile, can't I? So here's what I want you to get. Is that Christy, what she did was she, as I said, she raised her standard, meaning she said, okay, something was going on, and she's articulated this to me, is that she started to sense that God was doing something. She didn't know what it was. Was it a real, but whatever it was, it was beyond her. It was beyond, she had gotten involved in something that suddenly was beyond her, the way she was thinking, what she was feeling. She told her roommate, I, I, this is just, I, I really think something supernatural is happening here in me talking to him. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah, sometimes I think he's the person for me, but that just seems so strange. You know, especially when her roommate's calling me Psycho Dave, right? So here's what Christy did. She didn't try and control me. She didn't try and control the circumstances. She turned to the power of God. She wasn't helpless, but she knew she was powerless to deal with me. People, as I've said before, calling her up, who she trusted in, people who were part of her discipleship process, telling her, you need to stay away from him. Like, we know him. He's just very unhealthy. He's not, you know, he's not well. In, in some ways, he could even be dangerous. You just need... To, to stay away from him, Christy. We love him, we care for him, we hope he's going to come to Christ, but you, you need to stay away, Christy. And, and, and yet, so she knew, okay, this is way beyond, I'm, in, I'm going into my second year of Bible college, I, I, I'm in Newington, Connecticut, nice little suburb town in central Connecticut, and, and this guy is this 28-year-old guy, you know, from Brooklyn, New York, and who's just really, you know, like not, like not all there, right? And I, and I had a certain presence about me, 
And so she wasn't hopeless, but she truly had a sense I'm powerless. And so she, what she did was she tapped into the power of God. She didn't try and control the circumstances of me. Instead, she changed her attitude and her behavior. Meaning you think, okay, how much more can a girl who's going to Bible college, what could she do? She did. She totally upped it all. In her relationship with God, she went two, three levels above. In so many areas of her life, she changed and altered her attitude to a greater place of trusting God and relying. And she, she changed her behaviors, even her behaviors when she was around me. It wasn't until like after we got engaged, I'm like, so you, you've seen this movie? I'm like, when did you watch this? You, you did that? How is that? We, we had a little tension time when I realized that before I came along, she did hold Guy's hands and, and she might have kissed this one and she did watch this movie and she did do this. I'm like, so, so when did you like stop doing all this? When I came along, she said, yeah, that, that, that's it right there. She had nothing to do with you, she said. It had everything to do between me and God. I, I didn't know what was going to come of you. I didn't even know if anything was meant to come of you. I just knew God was doing something in my life and in that time and I had to trust in him. Huh? And because Christy tapped into God's power rather than taking control, it's why we're here today. See, by her doing that, she gave me the space to know God as he intended to know me. She, she now, by turning into God's power, enabled us, too, to come into this wonderful place, and, and, and really, and what has been continually through the years, growing and growing in relationship. And I'll stop there because I could keep going. Listen, turn to God. Time is short. Time flies, right? Trust in the power of God today. I mean, I mean, really, just think. Do I think that God is powerful? And, and am I governing myself, my thoughts and my actions, my attitude, my beliefs, am I from God, from knowing that truth, that God is powerful? We need to turn to God. Turn to God on behalf of your children this morning. Pray with them. Call out to God for them. Yeah, but I mean, put your hands on them. As they're going off to school now, you know, it's not often that a day will pass in my home that I don't somewhat pray with my children. It, it, it's very common. Some of my children won't go to bed, and the youngest is 12, the oldest is 19. They won't go to bed without coming to me for prayer and to have me physically touch them and to bless them and to speak into their life. And you know what? It's, it's just, you know, I, 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 I'm just sometimes making basic, basic prayers. Listen, one, regardless of where you're at with that child, if you're not getting along, just put your hand on them and pray for them. Just some talk to them. Hey, where are you at? Any fear? How are you doing today? What's going on in your life? Anything you need? Let me just put my hand on. Let me, let me just pray a blessing unto you. Well, you don't even have to say it that way. Hey, hey, but come here. I just want to just give you some affection. I want to give you some love. And just pray 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. I don't think any of my prayers, my kids are probably longer than maybe a, a, a minute. I mean, long would be two. I don't even two. But speak into their life. Let them know you're there. Let them see you praying to God. Let them see what's going on with your attitude and your behavior. Let them see that, that you are trusting in God as they step out into this world. This past week, I had a one child tried out for a sports team. The other child was starting college for the first time. As I'm driving, getting the car driving, the kid trying out for the sports team, we're, you know, we're tight with time, and, and they got to get there, register, and you know, do the whole thing. And they're like, Dad, can you pray on the way now? Because when we get there, I got to get out and run. They, just, you know, they know it. And I think part of it is they want it, and part of it they know I got to do it. I just got, got to grab them. I got to pray for them. Listen, I encourage you today, spend time with your child. How would you live as we kind of bring this towards a closing, a few minutes, 
How would you live if you knew and believed that God's power was truly greater than your own? How would you live if you truly knew that God's power was greater than your own? How would you live if you really, truly trusted in God's power, that you thought it, he is trustworthy, his power, meaning it's who he is? I go to a comedy show, there's a comedian, I expect him to make me laugh and to tell jokes. We expect God to be powerful because it's who he is, and he's searching and seeking to see who he can pour that power into, who he can pour his strength into. Now, I'm not helpless, yet often I'm powerless, but God is more powerful than I think, and God invites me to tap into his power this morning, to pause and to tap into his power. Now, there are three reasons for us to tap into God's power. We're going to do this quickly. One is to live fearless. More than ever, our world is filled with fear. Danger is real. Fear is a choice. We cannot control the dangers around us, but we can control our attitude and our behaviors in the face of that fear, right? Or what we perceive, you know, to, to, be, to be danger. So much to carry, so much to worry about, so much coming at us. You need to know that God is sovereign. You need to know that you're a child of God. You got to get that. Uh, it's something I'm just starting to study. I mean, the very beginning of it, you know, something called self-esteem versus self-compassion. You, you need to sit before God and heal. You need to have a, sit there and have an open, honest conversation with God, you know, and, and stop trying to think that you got to be all that and you can't. And just sit before God and realize that he knitted you in your mom's womb, right? That, that he loves you. He's created you. You're his first fruits of all his creation. Nothing is greater in his eyes than you, his finest of all creation. He delights in you. He, he yearns to be with you. He gave his son to be united forever and to be with you intimately forever in heaven. This is who you are to him. Now, he is the most powerful being in the, being in the universe, and that's how he sees you. Well, that's a big deal, right? The most powerful being in the universe, this is how he sees you, and this is what he wants with you. And that God, you need to know he's sovereign. He's in control, Right? Now you also want to know you need the power of God to live fearlessly, but you also, the second reason is you need the power of God to conquer what is conquering you, to conquer what is conquering me. There are those things, the way of behaving, a way of thinking, attitude that are simply conquering us. They're, they're conquering us from the inside out. They're undermining those things and draining us of those things that God has given us, what he's provided to us. We, he, they're disturbing us and deterring us from where God is guiding us. These things that keep coming back and they're conquering us. And, and, and sometimes it's so painful and so difficult, we just can't see it for what it is. But today, in the name of Jesus, and, and, and right now, in view of this powerful God, see it. See that which is conquering you inside. See and conquer it. By the power of God, by you believing in and tapping into the power of God, now, today, in Jesus' name, begin to conquer it. Let it no more take from you. Let it no more undermine what God is doing in your life. Give control to God. I would struggle with this significantly. Don't give your best to it. We often give our best to that which conquers us. When I mean our best, I mean our dreams, our hopes, our sacrificing, our desires. We're giving to that. 
our very best. Not today. Strangle it and give your best to God. Now, last, you need the power of God to live fearlessly, to conquer what's conquering you, and to live large. And we close this out. To live larger. To live large. Listen, we have just coming through an incredible summer here at Chair City Church. We have grown exponentially, not exponentially, we've grown over this summer. I was just telling the people in the hub, we meet in the hub at 8.30 and at, I guess, 10.30. All the volunteers, all the people who are volunteering that Sunday, we go into the hub, we have a great time. We talk, we laugh, we eat, I share with them some meaningful things, what's happening in people's life, right? And what we said this morning is, hey, we are here because we're living for something greater than ourselves. We're living for something larger than who we are. We're living for people that are out there that aren't in here. And we know as we're talking, there's this one that came to faith like sometime, I think, in July. And here she is serving already and, and tapping in. And then we're talking about this one and that couple that came to faith. And here they are. You know, they're, they're, they're pressing forward. We're living out for something greater. Live large, man. Live larger than you and your own world. Believe that you're part of something bigger than you. We're seeing it happen. We grew over the summer. You don't grow over the summer numerically. We did. So I'm going to tell you, between the first service and the second service, we shattered Labor Day records today. We probably approached somewhere between 380 and 400 people, kids and adults, which is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this is Labor Day, right? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not only the numbers, which, you know, we count people because people count. It's exciting. It's a result of what we're doing. But we're seeing people's lives changed. We, we keep going. This is like, see, September is like the new year in ministry. It, it's like the begin, beginning of it all. We're in 21 days of prayer. I so encourage you to sign up and be part of one of these times. I mean, do you think you're going to come and sit for an hour, a half hour somewhere to be alone with God? And, and, and you think maybe in that moment you're going to get a nugget between you and God? Different environment, different place. Set aside, cut out some time to sit before God. You think maybe you're going to hear from God in that moment. Maybe you're going to get another glimpse of who he is and, and his power speaking into your life. And, and, and you got 21 days. I think this coming Friday, they've kind of jacked it up a bit. So this coming Friday, there's a midnight prayer with an, with an acoustic set and singing and worshiping and praying. Sounds awesome. At the end, we have some, at the end of it all, the conclusion is engage. Uh, I believe it's on a, is it a Sunday night? Sunday night. It's kind of where we have like, a, we go, we eat, we sup, we eat together. We like to eat together. We do. I mean, there's, like I say, you know, I mean, encounter, I call it engage. Uh, encounter, right. You know, no, we do. We, we, we like to eat a lot because, you know, there's sexual intimacy and then there's coming and eating together. And the, the next thing after, the most intimate thing besides having sex with one another is to turn around and come together and sup and hang out and eat together. I've probably blown your lunch with that one, but it's just true. <laughs> to come and to hang out. And then if we do that, we come in here and like for 50 minutes to an hour, we just worship God. We recite scripture. We pray. It's just a wonderful time. And then we keep going into September. At the end of the month, we're going to be hosting the Kids Zone at the Oktoberfest downtown. We're going to have uh, September, October, we're going to have the Davis Mega Maze Single and Family Fun Day. We supplement your course significantly so you could be there. Uh, we have the Trunk or Treat Coming up at the, toward, you know, to right before Halloween, last year we had 800 to 1,000 people come in. It was amazing. Huh? And, and then we have our life groups that come. In a few weeks, we kick off our fall life group session. We have the largest number of groups we've ever had for a fall life group session, 11 groups. Man, get 
into a group. Yeah, that's awesome. And then coming right off a of trunk or treat, coming right out of trunk or treat, and you begin to see how you'll be a part of these things, where you'll be living out larger than yourself. You know, that night, that trunk or treat night, if you, anybody was in here, they'll never forget it for the rest of their life. We came in here, everybody volunteering. We were figuring like 200 to 300 people. You know, we were all having to, we transformed the place. It was nice. We were going at our pace. <gasps> Boom! I mean, it was crazy. Lines like, like down Line Street, police cars out in the front in a good way. And, and, and we were running around supporting each other, praying for each other, encouraging each other. And it went so incredibly well. We lived larger than who we were that night. Everybody was part of that. You jump into something. And then in November, starting the first Sunday in November, what we do, what we've always done in June and July, we're going to do in November, and we're going to do our At The Movie series. And that's when we turn around, we go into the year that passed, and we see movies that were out there that were known, Hollywood movies, and we take that movie and we see where we can find a spiritual theme, what the Bible says about that spiritual theme and how we can apply it to our lives, and we put that out there, we promo it into the community, we encourage you to invite your friends, family, friends, and neighbors, because they can really relate to this, and man, I'm going to tell you, it's an amazing time, we have a blast, we see so many new people come in, we would do it in July, and sometimes we'd see more visitors than almost Easter sometime. So look, we will, it's an exciting time to be part of Chair City Church. Live out for something larger than yourself. Expect great things to happen in your life as you tap into the power of God. Expect lives to be changed starting with your life. I am on an endless, endless search and pursuit to see my life change. If you know anything about me, I am continually wanting to see my life changed. Honestly, I'm continually wanting to see more and more of the power of God in my life. And I will run that race to the very end. And the closer you get to me, the more you, de- you know that. And I'm continually enthusiastic and hopeful about what God can do in spite of who I am. Tap into God's power. If you came in here today and you didn't know Jesus, my worship team, why don't you come up? We'll close this out. If you came in here today and you didn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, so that debonair, handsome guy you saw up on the screen there (laughs) on my wedding day, two years from that marriage, I didn't know Jesus. Two years before, I I, I had no faith in Jesus Christ. And And then I decided to give up control. I decided literally, in so many words, to trust in God's power and not my ability. Huh? And it was huge. It was a huge decision for me. So much risk for me. And yet I believe that regardless of my consequences, and they were, I would just tell you this, with no drama, and I don't go here, but I will now. Literally, you could say I was possibly, to just be fair, not dramatic, I was possibly risking my very life, and I certainly was, for, I certainly was endangering my well-being physically, And I, without question, was forfeiting tens of thousands of dollars and losing really everything I knew and how to live and what to live. So it was severe. The consequences would be massive, and, and and they were. And yet I decided that that it was worth risking that to gain this. And I didn't even know what this was. But something deep inside of me said, this is greater than that. Because this is who you are. Because you know, with all of this, I'm not right with who I am. I'm not. 
And I just, something in me told me. And, what, and you know what kept digging in me? And if you're in here today and you didn't know Christ, but you are in here, what kept getting me was, why am I still thinking about God? Why does this God thing keep coming to me? Why, why me? And then I concluded, it's because there is a God, and he's coming into my heart and mind, and he's speaking to me and talking to me, and he's bringing me, he's letting me know that he's there. And I decided to do something about that. And eventually that was to have an open, honest conversation with God and to turn to God, to ask God for forgiveness, to turn to Jesus, to want to know Jesus and follow him and to begin that relationship with him. And because of that moment, I am here today. And I was so right that all that I gave up, as Paul said, was garbage, was rubbish. Meaning it was so not valuable compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ and all he's done for me. And there's more. There's more. The best is yet to come. I mean that. I live it. The best is yet to come for us. The best is yet to come for me. Listen, we are excited as a church, as a community of Christ followers, to tap into the power of God in these coming weeks and months. But I want you to ask yourself today, where, as you listen to this song that's being played, as you worship God, where do you need to tap into God's power the most do you need to do that to live fearless? Do you need to do that to conquer what is conquering you? Do you need to do that to live larger? Don't let this morning pass without doing that. Tap into God's power, knowing he is looking right now to pour his strength into your committed heart. To God be the glory.